If you would, open your Bibles to Amos chapter 3, Amos chapter 3, Amos Obadiah Jonah, find it in your Old Testament, if you can find Jonah, and back up a couple books, Obadiah is only one chapter, so it won't take you long to get through that, but Amos chapter 3 is where we'll be, Amos chapter 3, and we'll begin reading with verse 9 of that chapter, down through verse 12. Amos chapter 3 and verse 9, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, if you know where Jonah's at. Amos chapter 3 and verse 9, publish in the palaces at Ashdod and in the palaces in the land of Egypt and say, assemble yourselves upon the mountains of Samaria and behold the great tumults in the midst thereof and they are pressed in the midst thereof. For they know not to do right, saith the Lord, who store up violence and robbery in their palaces. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, an adversary there shall be even around about the land, and he shall bring down thy strength from thee, and thy palaces shall be spoiled. Thus saith the Lord, as the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs, or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out that dwell in Samaria, in the corner of the bed, and Damascus, in the couch. Father, we come before you thanking you for your many blessings. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the testimony of our children of being able to do the job that they did. We thank you for working in their hearts and their lives. And Lord, I just pray that you'll continue to bless them and strengthen them. And Father, we thank you for our pastor. And Lord, I just pray that you'll fill him with your power, with your spirit as he comes and preaches to us. Lord, we're needy people and we need to hear from you. We need your strength and we need your guidance. And Father, I do pray that there's one that doesn't know you as a personal savior that today will be the day of salvation. And Lord, we're going to thank you for all that you're going to do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, David. These are some unusual verses that are given to us here in the book of Amos, chapter number 3. And as I thought about the young people and their part in the service tonight, I thought about this verse number 10. It says, For they know not to do right, saith the Lord. And one of the things that we must do as parents and as a church is teach our children to do right and teach them what is right. And not only the children need to learn that, but we do too. And this story is given to us in verse number 12. It says, Thus saith the Lord, As the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of a lion two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out that dwell in Samaria in the corner of a bed in in Damascus, in a porch. On the backside of the desert, a shepherd prepares for the night. He counts his sheep as they come into the fold that night, and one of them is missing. He sees a spot of blood, and he follows a trail, and he follows that trail of blood, and he finds a big mangy lion chewing on a, one of his lambs. You can kind of get the picture of that. I, sometimes we've seen a um, a bird that a cat has gotten, and all there is out in the ground is a few feathers that are left. Once in a while you'll see a, maybe a rabbit or a chicken that a coyote has gotten, and, and there's just a few little pieces left. And that's what the picture is here of this lion, and all there is left is two legs and a piece of an ear. Not much left. And as we think about that, there's several things that I want to mention in relation to this story. He says to us here, as the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs and a piece of an ear. 
First of all, I want you to notice that this is no ordinary lion. This is no ordinary lion. This is not just talking about a lion. We had a young lady who was here this morning in the service, Daylene, who used to be here in our church, and she lives out in Colorado, and she showed me a picture on her phone of a lion that she harvested. Uh, the, I was interested in, in, in the word that she used. They didn't kill the lion. They harvested the lion. But she had this big lion, and she, she's holding up this lion, and it's as big as she is, bigger than she was. And uh, she was able to, to take the, the life of that lion, and she was talk, telling us a little bit about the lion. It was, it was an older one, and, and, and uh, it's just kind of an interesting story. But anyway, the lion. This is not an ordinary lion that he's talking about here. You know the verse in 1 Peter 5, 8 that says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a what? Roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. We need to remember and be, re be reminded and be aware of the fact that, that the devil is like a roaring lion, and just like that li this lion in the story got the sheep and all that was left was two legs and a piece of ear. That's what the devil wants to do to us. That's what he wants to do to our kids. He wants to destroy them. In Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 7 it says, The lion has come up from the thicket, and the destroyer of the Gentiles is on his way. He has gone forth from his place to make thy land desolate, and thy cities shall be laid waste without an inhabitant. But James chapter 4 tells us how to deal with this. It says, Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will what? He will flee from you. So this is not just an ordinary lion. Secondly, th this is not an ordinary lamb. This is not an ordinary lamb. He says, The shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs and a piece of an ear. Shepherds take care of sheep. And the lion is the devil who wants to destroy God's sheep. And in John chapter 10 and verse 4, Jesus said, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Verse 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. We as God's people have the wonderful privilege of being sheep of his pasture. Sheep are not the most smart, the, mo the most intelligent. They're not the smartest animals. Uh, and so it's not necessarily a compliment when we're called sheep. But he is the shepherd, and that's a tremendous compliment. He's the shepherd, and we're the sheep. And as I said, the devil wants to attack and destroy the sheep. He wants to destroy God's people. And he constantly is like that roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So this is not an ordinary lion. It's not an ordinary lamb. Thirdly, this is not an ordinary shepherd. This shepherd is speaking of the great shepherd. Psalm 23 says, say it with me together, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. If you're saved tonight, you have the wonderful privilege of having the Lord as your shepherd. And He cares for us and He watches over us. In John 10 and verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. I'm so glad we have a good shepherd who gave his life for us so that we could have eternal life. Amen? And so that we could know him and could spend eternity in heaven with him. So this is not an ordinary lion. It's not an ordinary lamb. It's not an ordinary shepherd. It's also not an ordinary, I said it's not an ordinary lamb, I want you to look at the pitiful lamb. Consider the pitiful lamb. What's left of this lamb? 
tells us in verse number 12, two legs and a piece of an ear. Pitiful condition. I thought about this lamb and his pitiful condition, and I jotted down a couple of things. First of all, he has no eyes left to see. His eyes are gone. He can't see. John 10.10 speaks of the devil and says, The thief is come but for to kill, and he cometh not but for to kill, to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. The devil wants to steal and kill and destroy us. And he wants to destroy one of the things is our eyes, our spiritual eyes, so that we cannot see the things of God. Colossians 1.14 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. The devil doesn't want you and I to see that we can be redeemed from our sin. We can have our sins forgiven. We can become a part of the family of God and have a home in heaven by putting our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And our trust, as the choir sang tonight, nothing but the blood. Our trust is in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. So he has no eyes left to see. He has no ears left to hear. There's just a little piece of an ear left. He can't hear. In Revelation 2 and verse 7, the Bible says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. God wants us to hear. He wants us to hear what he has to say. In fact, we read a moment ago from John chapter 10, and he talks about the fact that my sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. God wants us to hear his word. He wants, to hear our, he wants us to hear his voice. The devil attacks us to keep us from hearing. And he's got all kinds of things that he, he uses to keep us from hearing God. We can get so involved in television and, and, and videos and, and electronics and games and all kinds of things to get us so busy that we don't have time to read or to study God's word and we don't consequently hear from God. And so here's the pitiful lamb that has no eyes left to see, has no ears left to hear. He has no mouth left to sing praises to God. Aren't you glad God gave you a mouth? Is there anybody you wish God didn't have, would not have given a mouth? No, don't say anything. Don't name any names. But God gave us a mouth. Why did he give us a mouth? So that we could sing praise to God. In Isaiah 49 and verse 13 it says, Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord hath comforted his people, and he will have mercy upon his afflicted. God says to us that we're to break forth in singing. Well, I love to hear the choir sing. They did a great job tonight. And I love to hear the special music. And I love to hear the congregation singing. And when the congregation sings, not all of us can sing in the choir. And not all of us can stand up here and, and sing a special. But we can sing in the, in the congregation. And we can lift our voices. There's something inside of us, the joy of the Lord, that comes out of our mouth. And, and here, this pitiful lamb has no mouth left to sing or to praise. Then he has no mind left to meditate. In Joshua 1.8, it says, the book, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. God wants us to meditate. This pitiful lamb has no mind left to meditate. Do we take time to meditate on God's word? Are we memorizing? Are we meditating? Are we building it into our life? God says if we'll meditate therein day and night and do what it says, he says that then he'll make our way to prosper and then we'll have good success. How many of you want to be prosperous? Amen? How many of you want to have good success? All right. To a great degree, it depends on how much we meditate on the Word of God 
and then do what God tells us to do. No mind left to meditate. And then this pitiful lamb had no heart left to feel or love. He had no heart left to feel or love. Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. I'm glad that we have a heart that we can feel and we can love. And God says, I want you to love me. Love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul. We're to love him. And then he also had no legs left to walk. He could not walk. Colossians 2 and verse 6 says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. You see, the devil wants to destroy all these abilities that we have to serve God and to worship God and to praise God. He is the roaring lion who seeks whom he may devour. Aren't you glad that we have somebody who's greater than that roaring lion, amen, who protects us? Now, I want you to notice there's a problem in this text that we read in verses 9 through 12. As you read through those verses, there's no defiance there. There's no defying God. There's no rebellion there. There's no deliberate resistance there. Sometimes we find in young people defiance and sometimes rebellion and sometimes deliberate re resistance. But that's not what's the case here in this story. That wasn't the problem with this little lamb that got destroyed by the lion. What was the problem with this, with this lamb that, that is destroyed by the lion? The problem is this, they did not know to do right. Verse number 10 says, for they know not to do right. God's talking about the nation of Israel. And he said the nation of Israel is going to be like this lamb that was destroyed by the lion, and the reason they're going to be destroyed is because they didn't know to do right. It was a problem of ignorance. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I also reject, will reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. God said because of a lack of knowledge. They had rejected knowledge. That's one of the reasons I'm thankful so much for the, for the Master Club ministry and for our Sunday school and for all the various ministries that we have in our church is because we're trying to give our young people some knowledge. We want them to know the truth. We want them to know what's right. We want them to know the Word of God. I don't want them to be destroyed because of lack of knowledge. Isaiah 5 and verse 13 says, Therefore my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge and their honorable men are famished and their multitude dried up with thirst. They have no knowledge. You know, it used to be in America, you could knock on a door and talk to somebody about God and about the Lord, and they knew what you're talking about. And now, you talk to a lot of people, and they don't have a clue. They don't have the foundation that we had years ago. And we've taken God out of our schools. We've taken the Ten Commandments off of the walls. We've tried to take away, I say we, I'm talking about our nation and our government and our leaders and our nation have taken away the foundation, the knowledge. And it's up to us to get that knowledge into the minds and the hearts of the young people and into our own mind and heart as we serve God. So God wants us to know. They know not what to do right. God wants us to know to do right. So how can we determine what is right? Let me give you some basic things real quickly. First of all, number one, God is always right. God is always right. Amen? 
God was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he asked this question in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 25. He says, shall, the, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? When God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of their wickedness, he did right. Amen? God is right. We all agree to that, right? God is right. God is always right. We agree to that, don't we? We agree. God has never been wrong. Agree? Amen. What about when a loved one gets cancer? Is God still right? He's always right. How about a heart attack or a stroke? Is God still right? What about when we lose our job? Is God still right? How about a family member is killed accidentally in an automobile accident or motorcycle accident? Is God still right? He's always right, amen? How about when your mate betrays you? Is God still right? He's always right. What about when a child commits suicide? Is God still right? You see, we have to understand and we have to teach our children and we have to understand in ourselves that God is always right. He's always right. Secondly, I want to say the Bible is always right. The Bible is always right. The Bible is right historically. It is right geographically. It is right scientifically. It is right prophetically. It is right economically. It is right agriculturally. It is right ethically. It's right morally. It's right socially. It's right mathematically. It's right domestically. And it's right musically. The Bible is always right. Whatever God says in His Word, it is right. God is always true and he's always right. So that brings me to the third thing, and that is, I must find out what is right. I need to know what's right so I can teach my children what is right. And so I can do what is right. And so how am I going to find out what is right? If God is always right and the Bible is always right, then I've got to get into the Bible and get the Bible into me so that I know what is right. Amen? And I've got to get it into the lives of my children. And the young people. David said in Psalm 119, he said, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. We've got to know what's right, and we find that in the word of God. He also said, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Get the word of God into us and into our hearts and into our lives. So why do we do that? First of all, so I can think right. I can think right. I have to find out what is right so that I can think right. Remember what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8? He said, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. I've got to think right. I've got to find out what is right in the Word of God and get into the Word of God and find it out so that I can think right. You know, we have a lot of people in our world today that are not thinking right. We've got a lot of politicians that are not thinking right. Amen? We've got a lot of parents that are not thinking right. We've got a lot of young people that are not thinking right. We've got to learn the Word of God and think on the right kind of things, true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report. We've got to think right so that we, the next thing, so that we can do right. We have to think right so I can do right. 
You see, God doesn't just want me to think right, He wants me to do it. In Matthew 22 and verse 37, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. In Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10, He said, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. And so I'm to do right for the Lord, and I'm to do it with all of my might. In Psalm 106 and verse 3, He says, Blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that doeth righteousness at all times. God says, I'm to keep judgment and do righteousness at all times. 1 John 1.6 says, if we say that we have no, if we say that we fellowship with God and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. I need to learn to do right. I need to learn to think right. And I need to put it into practice in my, in my life. And then also, I need, I need to do right. I must do right in the right way. I must do right in the right way. If I do right, but I do right in the wrong way, then I make right wrong, right? Let me say that again. If I do right, but I do right in the wrong way, then I make right wrong, right? You can do right in the wrong way and you make it wrong, don't you? 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 2 says, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every, to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I must do right in the right way. You see, there's a lot of right that's being done in the wrong way. And it's not right, it's wrong. One of the areas, and I thank the Lord for the music that we heard of these young people tonight, we're teaching them the right kind of music. So much of the world and so much of the church today is using sometimes right words, but wrong music. And I, I had a fellow say to me, well, you know, they're praising the Lord. They're saying, but you know, the, the, the messenger is as important as the message. There are a couple occasions, one time that Jesus dealt with it, and one time the Apostle Paul in Scripture when there were people who were, who were praising God who were demon-possessed. And the Lord stopped them, and Paul stopped them. They had the right message, but it was the wrong messenger, and they were delivering it in the wrong way. And so we have to be careful that we do right in the right way. And then we must do right at the right time. We have to do right at the right time. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2 says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted... And in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We have to do right in the right time. Most importantly, our salvation. You, you put salvation off and say, someday I will, or maybe someday, and you put it off and all, later and later and later, and then you're gone. It's too late, isn't it? We don't know if we have one day, one week, one month. I don't know if I have one heartbeat. My life could be gone today, tonight, and so could yours. And so we need to do right as far as our salvation, do it right at the right time. There are a lot of other things in our life as Christians we, we do right at the right time. We come to church at the right time, amen? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we're here because it's the right time to come. A lot of churches don't even have services on Sunday night and Wednesday nights. We come at the right time. Sometimes God will prompt you about something to do. Maybe somebody needs some help. He prompted some of you this week to help the, 
Brat's family, and you gave, you did right at the right time. If you didn't do it at that time, next week or the next week or the next week, it would be too late. God may prompt you to witness to somebody. I remember a, a young man that God prompted me to witness to, and, and I kind of, I invited him to church, but I didn't really witness to him. And the next week he was killed, he was riding his bicycle across the, the, the road, just up from where our church was at that time, and he was killed. And I realized I didn't do right at the right time. We must do right in the right way, but we almost do, also must do right at the right time. And then we must do right with the right motive. We have to do it with the right motive. How many of you understand you have kids sometimes that do right, but they don't do it with the right motive? Like the little boy that said, you know, I'm sitting down, but I'm standing up on the inside. You know, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? And ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Why do we do right? Because we want to glorify God. Amen? These young people did right by doing their presentations tonight. But only they know what their motive was. Did they do it to glorify God? You did right by coming to church tonight, but you did, did you do it with the right motive? We do right when we witness. We do right when we do various things of service for the Lord. And when we do things in our life as believers, we do right when we get our Bible in the morning and read it and pray and spend time with God. Do we do it with the right motive? Do I get up and have my devotions in the morning, read my Bible, pray? Do I do it because I have to? Do I do it because I, I, I'm supposed to? Or do I do it because I want to spend some time with the Lord and I want to glorify Him? Do right with the right motive. And then lastly, I must do right with enthusiasm. Do it with enthusiasm. You know, some people can do right, and you can just tell by looking at them, they're not enjoying it. <laughs> they're not enjoying it. They're doing it because they had to, they were made to do it, or they, they're supposed to, or is expected of them. The Lord said in Ecclesiastes 9.10, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. For there's no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. Do it for the right motive, and do it enthusiastically. I want to serve the Lord, and I want to do it willingly. I want to do it because I want to please Him. Do right. Dr. Bob Jones had a statement that he made many years ago. He said, do right till the stars fall. Do right till the stars. Just do right. Do right. And we have a lot of folks in our world who are choosing not to do right. The devil wants to destroy our kids so that they will not do right. He doesn't want them to come and to learn. He doesn't want you to teach them in your home to give them the knowledge of what is right so that they'll know to do what is right. We must teach them. We must teach them that God is always right. We must teach them that the Bible is always right. We must teach them how to think right, how to do right the right way and at the right time and with the right enthusiasm and the right motive. Do right. You'll have some decisions that you'll have to make in your life. Some you'll make every day. You know, tomorrow morning, many of you will have to make a decision. The alarm will go off. You've got to decide to get up and go to work. 
And you know what? You're going to do it because it's the right thing to do. Amen? Do right. You get up and you go. It's the right thing to do. Some of you will get up and go to school tomorrow. And you may not want to, but you do it because it is the right thing to do. Amen? Do right. Sometimes our parents, young people, tell us to do things, and we don't want to do it, but we do it because it is the right thing to do. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. This is right. Do right. And I want to say to the young people tonight, do right. And to us as adults, do right. As parents, teach them how to do right. Teach them what is right. And teach them to do it in the right way, in the right time, and the right motive for the glory of God. Let's bow our heads together. Lord, help us to do right. We don't want to be the two legs and a piece of ear that's left over after the lion has devoured us. We want to follow the shepherd and stay close to the shepherd so we're protected. Thank you that we have a good shepherd who guides us and provides for us and protects us, cares for us. And I pray that you would help us as parents, that we will continue to teach our children to do right. To get into the Word of God and get the Word of God into us so that we know what's right. And so that they'll know what's right. We live in a world, Lord, that there's a lot of gray. A lot of people are questioning things. Thank you that you've given us in your Word absolutes that we can follow and that we can live by. May you help us to purpose in our hearts, like Dr. Bob Jones says, to do right till the stars fall. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.